How many of you have ever been to the Apple Barn in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee? Raise your hands. Anybody? Anybody? Just a couple of you, a few of you out there. It's kind of a country restaurant. I was there yesterday morning for breakfast, actually, and I got Smoky Mountain Eggs Benedict, which is totally not allowed on my diet, but it's two great big biscuits with fried eggs on top of it, fried country ham, and sausage gravy on top of that. Yeah, yeah, that's worth clapping, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I ate almost all of it. I didn't completely finish it all. My, my wife was with me on this particular trip, and she had a, quite a, a large breakfast as well, I must say. And we walked out of there, and this is what we said. We're getting ready to drive home. We said, well, here's the good thing. At least we won't be hungry until we get home for dinner tonight. How many of you ever been there? Well, we stopped in Logan on the way back because by noon we were hungry again. It's incredible the way we fill ourselves up and we're hungry again. Jesus came along and he said, you know what? If you come to me, I will quench your thirst and I will fill you up in such a way that you'll never thirst again. I will make you fulfill your hunger in such a way that you will never hunger again. And he refers to himself as the bread of life in the scripture that we're looking at today. And I just want to say to you, if you're here today, and as we begin this series, Who is Jesus? And you don't know him. The very first thing you need to know about him is he can fill you up. And that filling never goes away. You'll never need anything else if you have Jesus in your life. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we come before you today and we thank you and praise you for being the one that we need, the one that sustains life, for being the one who quenches our thirst and fills us up with all good things. Forgive us when we think we need so much more. Forgive us when we look for material possessions to quench our thirst or to fill us up. Forgive us when we look for relationships with others to do that. Forgive us when we look for certain status or fame, power. Remind us today, Lord, for those of us who need reminded that you are all we need to be full. And introduce us, Lord, if we are here and have never met you before, to just the, the filling that you can give. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Not too long ago, I was rummaging through our kitchen at our house, and we have this drawer, and we have a cabinet, and the entire drawer and the entire cabinet is full of Tupperware and Tupperware-like containers. And I said to my wife, why in the world do we need this much Tupperware? And I began to, yeah, amen. And I began to, there's another sermon for that coming later. I began to reflect on the fact that how blessed we are as a society and as a people that we need this much Tupperware to hold our leftovers. That people around the world would love to have something to eat, but we have so much, and we have so much in abundance, that we have all of these things to store it in. And, and yet, if you have kids like my kids, or, or maybe you do it yourself, they'll stand at the refrigerator, and they'll open both doors of the refrigerator, and we have a deep freeze and another refrigerator in our garage, and they'll go look in there, and they will say these words, what? We've got nothing in the house to eat right? And yet we have cabinets full and refrigerators full, or they'll go to the closet and they'll open up a closet with clothes from one end to the other, and they'll say what? I've got nothing to wear today. 
And then we have the phenomena in our society where people have houses, they have two and three car garages and outbuildings in the backyard, but there is not a storage facility anywhere that's not making money hand over fist because they will rent them as fast as you can build them in almost any area of the United States of America because we need a place to put our leftovers. Well, we have brothers and sisters around the world that would consider a feast to have the food that you and I threw away this week. Maybe that you and I threw away at dinner last night. They, they would love to have the outdated clothes that we have in our closets. As a matter of fact, we are people who look way too often to what we don't have and completely miss what we already do have, especially for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I had someone tell me one time a fact I think is incredibly true. It is this. Contentment is realizing what we have, not attaining what we want. It is coming to this realization that I already have everything I need to be content. Remember what Paul said? I have learned to be content in everything, right? Whether I'm in plenty, whether I'm in want, all of these different situations, because how much I have or don't have or what's going on does not bring my contentment. My contentment comes from Jesus Christ. And so we begin this series today that is going to take us all the way through Lent, clear up through Easter, where we're going to be asking this question, who is Jesus? And today we're starting off by looking at, at, at a title he refers to himself as, as simply the bread of life. And, and I want you to, to look with me at a story of one of his miracles in John chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15 before we move on later in the chapter here in just a minute. So turn to John chapter 6 verse 1. <clears throat> we're going to wrap all this kind of leftovers and fulfillment and, and bread of life all together. In John chapter 6, starting in verse 1, we read this. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now, when you look at this scripture, this is an incredible miracle, isn't it? And most of us have heard about this. Most of us have, have talked about this in some form or, or another. And just in, in, on its own, it's just an incredible miracle that he filled the stomachs of these folks with just very little, and he made it into a lot. But I also think that there's something probably going on this day 
that probably made a lasting impression on every single person that took a bite of those fish, that, that, that took a bite and, and was filled on, on that day. I want you to kind of travel with me, if you will, and, and, and take yourself back in the story and kind of live this day with Jesus. Live this, this scripture, if you will. Pretend that you are kind of at the head of the crowd. You're a fast run, runner. You're close enough to Jesus to hear his teaching, close enough not just to hear what he's saying to the crowd, but to overhear what he's saying to the, to the disciples and the conversations that are going on between himself and his closest companions. And what you're going to find as you begin to listen in is, first of all, this. We know that Jesus has something we want or maybe even something that we need. As a matter of fact, being part of that crowd, the Scripture says that you have seen him do miracles and, and you're going to check out who he is. You're going to check out what he has to offer. So you know that he's done some things in the lives of many folks. You, you know that he's different. He's probably this prophet that has been foretold. He may even be this Messiah. You know he's touched people. You know he has changed people. You know he's healed people. He has given people purpose and meaning. And, and, and you know that maybe, just maybe, he has something for you. Now if you're here today, you know these kind of folks that that I'm talking about, these people that Jesus has touched, right? These people that are incredible witnesses of the faith. Your grandmother or your grandfather or your mom or your dad. It is amazing to me when I go to funerals how often I hear people say, oh, the faith of mom or the faith of dad or, or the lifestyle of grandma, oh, it was so awesome, it blessed so many people, and I just want to shake people and say, then why aren't you living that way? If you're so impressed with the way grandma lived, why aren't you emulating some of that lifestyle? Why are you not prioritizing in your life the same thing she prioritized in her life? And, and, and so here you are in this crowd and you know that, that things have happened in the lives of other people. And, and you know that this Jesus has something worthwhile, but you're just not sure yet how completely that something is for you. You're not sure how it's going to work in your life. And then you arrive ahead of the crowd, and Jesus is asking this strange question to one of his disciples. He turns to Philip, and you hear him say this, how are we going to feed all of these people? And you begin to realize something about Jesus. You begin to realize, and you begin to discover that Jesus is first concerned with meeting our needs. Here he is, and, and he has his own needs, but as he sees the crowds coming, his concern is, how am I going to feed these people? You discover that all of this that you've heard about Jesus is true. He really did come to serve. He really did come in humility. He really did come in love. And he wants his followers to learn this lesson. You get the sense. You get the sense that Jesus already knows how he's going to feed these folks. After all, you're there because you've seen the miracles. You're there because you know what he can do, but, but he still wants his disciples to learn something about service. He's calling his followers to do as he wants done. It is to meet the needs of those who are in need. It is to think of others more than themselves. If you look at Mark chapter 10, verse 43 to 45, you see the words of Jesus saying this, Not so with you. To those of us who are his followers, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. You begin, as you overhear this conversation, to get the sense that Jesus really, honestly cares about you. That he sees what you need way even before you know what you need. And he begins to make provision for your needs. And maybe, just maybe, that leads you to begin to think about your greatest needs as you approach Jesus today. Maybe you're in a marriage that you desperately need Jesus' intervention. Maybe you're in a financial situation and you see no way out and, and you're just calling out for God to help you. Maybe you're in a situation with a friend that, that you've been estranged from for years and you need forgiveness to be offered to you or you need to offer forgiveness to them. Maybe you're in the midst of an illness and you're not sure how you're going to face the future dealing with the thought of your own death and dealing with the, the effects of this disease on your body. You have these needs and you begin to think, maybe Jesus is the one that I need to go to. Maybe Jesus is the one who cares more than anybody else about my needs being met. Maybe Jesus is the one that I need to turn to. And then in the midst of your thought, you hear Philip answer Jesus the same way you would. Because we often respond to an impossible situation with an impossible answer. Philip basically says it will take way more than we have to feed these people. What he's saying really is, we can't do it. What he's saying really is, it's impossible to make this happen. What he's saying really is, I don't believe that there is any way that we can meet the needs of this crowd that is coming. And you look behind and you see this incredible crowd and you begin to believe there's really no way Jesus can feed all of these people. It's really cool that he wants to, but it seems to be impossible for him to do anything. And then you look and you see that other disciple, Andrew, and at least he does something, right? He brings this little bit of lunch to Jesus. Not enough to feed one or two people, but, but he brings it anyways. And you begin to think, maybe when it comes to your needs, that the things that you're faced, you have faced or are facing, something that seems impossible to deal with or impossible to overcome, that that some have given you just a little bit of help like Andrew, but you've never really been satisfied. You've been to the counselor and that's help, but it's really not put a, put a dent in the situation. You, you've been to the doctor and, and you need to go to the doctor because you're sick, but that really doesn't bring you the peace that you need. And, and, and you've talked to people about your marriage, but nothing really has happened. And, and you're just going through every single day being unsatisfied, feeling like you're just offering this, this little bit of lunch when you need a feast. One of my favorite illustrations and how I've felt so often in my life is like I'm standing on the porch of a house and it's bitter cold and I'm looking through the window at a fireplace burning. And you can almost feel the warmth when you look at the fire, but you suddenly realize you're not really feeling it. You're just wishing you were. And so many of us, when we come to Jesus, we offer so little. So many of us, when we come to Jesus, we have such little faith. So many of us, when we come to Jesus, we think it's cool that you really want to help, but I really don't believe you can. And we stand on the porch, and we watch the fire glow. And the whole time, Jesus says, come in. Jesus says, let me warm you. Jesus says, let me be the bread of life in your life. And then you watch something amazing. You watch Jesus take that little bit of food and he does the impossible and you benefit from it. 
He takes that little bit of lunch and he feeds everyone there, probably 20,000 people. And not only is everyone there full, but you are full. You find yourself sitting on this lush green grass and you've eaten not only what you need, but you've eaten all that you want. And guess what? There's a need for Tupperware. There are leftovers. Not only are you full, not only is everyone else full, but there is leftovers. And Jesus says to his disciples, pick up the leftovers and don't let anything go to waste. And suddenly you realize, Jesus wants to fill my life. Jesus wants to do more than just fill my stomach. Jesus isn't concerned about filling my bank account. Jesus isn't concerned about filling my garage with a certain kind of car. He really wants to fill my life with something that is everlasting, that with peace and with joy and with righteousness, the things that make a difference. And, and not only will he fill me up, but I got a feeling that he'll even give me leftovers. I got a feeling it'll be so awesome that I'll get things that I don't deserve, things that I never expected icing on the cake when I least expect it. We begin to think about John 10.10 10, where the scripture says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says what? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And maybe that day you decide to follow Jesus around and listen to what he says a little more. And not too long from now when the memory of what he did with that little bit of bread and fish, the memory of what he did with what you thought was impossible is really fresh in your mind and you hear him, as is recorded in John 6.35, say these words, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And it all clicks. You can be full. Completely full. Forever. Because he is all you need. He is all that you really ever wanted. And there will even be leftovers.